Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Does the word negotiate make you cringe? Would you rather walk out in traffic than have to sit in your boss's office, look them straight in the eye, and ask for a raise? Don't worry, you are not alone. Literally raising my hand here. I have rounded up a couple women who have not only negotiated big deals successfully, but they are going to give you some of their best tips and tricks to apply it to your own life. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour Podcast. And today we are talking about how do we make way more money at your job. <laughs> Joining me on the panel today from Cosmopolitan.com is my co Worker, our sex and relationships editor, Haley McMillan. Hi, Haley. Hi, Elisa. Great to be here. We just had you on. Now you're back again. I'm so excited. I'm it was so, so much excited. fun last time. Let's it was so do fun. it again. Exactly. Before we were talking about fetishes. Yeah. Now we're talking about the only thing that could potentially be more exciting than fetishes, which is money. And maybe even also more intimidating. Right. And more intimidating. Sex and money. We're getting right to yes, it. Yes, exactly. Always, always the um, real talk here on Cosmo Happy mm-hmm. Hour. So, Haley, talk to me about your how are your own feelings about negotiation? Have you done it successfully in your life? Have you totally bombed it? Any specific memories that really stand out to you? It's terrifying to me still, but I'm getting better at it the older I get. So there is hope if you feel like you're stuck with this topic. And I think what helped me is stopping thinking of it as you're asking for charity, you're asking for a favor and thinking of it as problem solving. Mm. You're trying to get what you want, but so is the other person, and you're going to figure out where you have an overlap and make the situation work for both of you. So one thing that I feel like is so difficult about negotiation, ne- negotiating, first of all, is pronouncing the word. Yeah, Second number all, one. Number one, pronouncing it. Um, number two, Haley, I can tell you are exactly like me. Like We are both nice people, and sometimes I feel nice. like it's hard because... I don't know, and I feel like this is a problem that women deal with in general. Have you found in instances in your own career where you've negotiated for a salary or asked for more money, have you found it beneficial to sort of go in with like your typical nice girl approach, or do you find yourself like wearing a bit more of a hard ass hat? Sure, I think uh, I think this is so true. I think it's really hard for women, especially, to ask for what they're worth and demand what they're worth. I think politeness is always important, but also just this unshakable confidence that you are worth what you're asking for. So never, you know, it's it's so easy to say sorry when we're not sorry. It's so easy to apologize or make yourself smaller. And it's so important not to do that and just stand in your own confidence that you are worth what you're asking for. So I think politeness is important, but also being assertive is important as well. Okay, okay. So let's, um, Haley, I feel like we should call up some ladies that have successfully managed to make gazillions of dollars in their career and get their secrets. I want to hear from them. Right, so do I. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. (laughs) 
I'm very excited to bring in our first guest. You've seen her on Project One Runway All-Stars, but you know her even better as the editor-in-chief of Cosmo. She just graduated from that position and negotiated her way up to be the first ever chief content officer of Hearst Magazines. Basically, she's had every job you've ever dreamed of. Welcome, Joanna Coles. Hi, JC. Hi, Benson. Thrilled to be on uh, the podcast. So, Joanna, so excited to have you on the podcast. I know that talking to women about money and their careers and negotiating has been something that's always been important to you. Of course, Cosmo had its Fun Fearless Money Conference in the fall. Can you talk to us to kick things off about a time in your own career where you negotiated for something really big? What happened? Uh... Can I? What a very, very good, rather difficult first question, because I have no memory beyond this morning's breakfast. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, there's a famous story about you. um, I don't know that this had necessarily to do with negotiating for money, but about jumping into a cab to ask for a job you wanted, right? Well, that was when I turned up for an interview and for various boring reasons that I won't go into, um, the person had not heard from me in time, assumed I wasn't able to make the interview. And when I arrived at the office, uh, all bushy-tailed and blow-dried for the interview, they told me that, in fact, this person had left for the airport. And so I roared out of the building, uh, grabbed a cab, literally stood in front of a cab, dragged the poor unsuspecting passenger out, (laughs) threw them on 6th Avenue and drag raced um, the person's black car up Park Avenue until she pulled over. And then I jumped into her car. And by the time we got to the airport, I knew I had the job. Um, (laughs) That was less of a negotiation. What I can do is I can remember a time when I negotiated badly and... um, Because often the negotiations I've actually had that have been good ones have come by surprise and I wasn't expecting them. But one time I remember negotiating badly. I'd already accepted a job. It was a change of job in my then company. I accepted the change of job. And then the day before I started it, I went to ask them for more money, which was a really stupid thing to do. And they said no. And I didn't have anywhere to fall back. And what I learned from that is that it's incredibly important to prepare well for any negotiation, Mm. to make sure that what you're asking for is within the realms of possibility. And having sat on the other side of the desk, knowing that you can't try and hold someone to ransom, as I was slightly doing by saying, oh, I want a a raise in salary the day before I was due to start the new job. Right. And also from the other side of the desk, I know what it's like when people come in unprepared and when they ask for outlandish sums of money, which may in their mind be a negotiating tactic, which in but in the receiver's mind look like they don't know what they're talking about. Once Mm. someone came in to negotiate with me and when I and I was rather excited by them, they had lots of experience for the job and they would have been great in the job but literally they asked me for more than I was earning and Mm. that felt to me like a non-starter because not only did it show me they hadn't done their research but they were someone whose job would involve a certain amount of negotiation and it made me anxious that they wouldn't know the realities of the economy they were dealing with. Sure, it almost felt like a red flag and like an unfamiliarity with the industry right off the bat. Right, and in fact they were an experienced person and I then thought, well, has the person that's been hiring them up until now not been paying any attention to actually how they spend money? Right, right. So uh, I have a real talk question about this, which is that, you know, a lot 
lot of a lot of Cosmo girls who are sort of early on in their careers and haven't graduated in the best economy can feel lucky to even land a job in the first place. And, you know, we know in a lot of industries, you know, there are layoffs happening. Industries are getting smaller. You feel so lucky just to have your position. And I think for women especially, that can maybe make it feel like you shouldn't ask for more or it's not the right time. How do you sort of walk the line between keeping your eyes open to the reality of the business but also advocating for yourself? Well, I think you should also be um, very cognizant of your own talent. So is this the only industry that you can work in? Why is this your so-called dream job? What if you expanded your dreams to include a few more visions? I think what happens is people often get very narrow in what they think they can do Mm. and very narrow in what they think they want to do. And often that's because they haven't been exposed to other things. So if you're in a job in an ailing industry or one that is so disrupted and you're too frightened to ask for uh, more money, uh, but you really need it or you feel you really deserve it, it's definitely worth thinking about what else could you do with these talents that might be in a parallel industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then looking around to give yourself a sense of freedom because there's nothing worse than feeling trapped in a job. Um, And then... I think it's important to to really stress that actually the best way to earn more money is to change jobs. Right. And I think if you're in your early 20s or your early 30s, it's absolutely fine to move jobs every 18 months to three years. That's what you should be doing. You should have experience working at different companies. It's the best way to earn, you know, 10, 20, maybe 50% more, uh, which will be really hard to do in in your ongoing job or ongoing company and bosses know that they know that sometimes people run out of energy at a company they know that sometimes they don't have the space to give someone who's very talented but who's perhaps run out of runway in their particular position but there isn't another position for them and while it's not um it's it's disruptive and it can feel like a risk it's really important to to not be fixated on one outcome because there could be many I think, oh, Haley wants to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, Haley. I have a question around uh, transitioning from one job to another. Hopefully you've done some research. You have an idea of what you want to be making. But what about that dreaded question from the new company? What are you making right now? How would you recommend dealing with that? That's something that I've struggled with figuring out how to deal with in yeah, past transitions. Yeah, tell the truth, basically. Or do you evade? Uh, what, what's your approach to that, Joanna? Help. Well, I would I would always be honest on that. And you could just say, and that's one of the reasons I'm looking to move. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Um, because I think if you lie, you can get found out. And if you lie and you get found out, then that's bad. And also, the person will probably know whether or not you're lying. And I mean, there may be a 5, 10, 15 grand wriggle room. But mm-hmm. I never feel in a job interview it's ever worth lying because... In the 1% chance you get caught out, you'll feel really foolish and you won't get the job. And I know when people have done it to me. I mean, it's possible that people have done it to me and I haven't known, but it often becomes apparent that someone has lied. And and usually someone who's interviewing you will know what the going rate in the field is and will know the company they're interviewing you from and will have a sense of um, what other people in that company are earning. Right. And I think one thing I've always heard throughout my career is you 
you sort of never know on the outside. You never really have a full grasp of how small the industry can be on the inside. So you never know when the person you're interviewing with happened to go to college with someone that works at your, you know, current place of employment or whatever it is. Right. I don't think you can assume that the only way people get knowledge is about you is in an interview. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So um, they may well know a colleague. They may well know someone that hired you and has since left your company and they can call them and say, hey, when you were working at so-and-so, what did you pay so-and-so? And they go, oh, my God, she was, you know, super expensive or super cheap or, mm. or but I just think in a job interview, why lie? Mm. Right, right. So don't lie. Go in having a ballpark figure ready to say. Um, I think one of the pieces of the sort of negotiation advice, like maybe if you Google how to negotiate for a raise, this would come up, which is this advice about not throwing out a number first and the idea of like always wanting the person across the table to do that. To me, that advice feels a little fake. (laughs) I don't know. Joanna, when you are having this kind of conversation with people or you're doing it yourself, do you feel like people need to be prepared to say a number? Would you recommend that they suggest, you know, a range that they would be comfortable in? Is there any rules around, you know, being that scary moment of having to actually say a number? Well, I think if someone offers you a range, you're always going to go for the bottom of the range. So if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're the person trying to get the job and trying to negotiate, I do actually think it's much better for the employer to offer you a number because that way you know the ballpark that you're playing in. And it may be, in truth, much more than you'd been expecting. Mm -hmm. That's the good side. And if it's not more than you're expecting, if it's less than you're expecting, then you're perfectly um, within your rights to say, oh, goodness, I'm afraid I was expecting a little bit more than that. Or, oh, that's rather disappointing. I was hoping for more in the, and then add 20% to it. So that lets them know that you're prepared to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And another piece of advice I've heard that I'd love to get your professional take on is this idea that if the salary itself isn't negotiable, that you should try to negotiate other things, maybe your vacation time or things like that. Um, You know, is that beneficial advice? I sometimes feel a little like, (laughs) what a letdown. (laughs) You know, you want to raise and you get like another personal day. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Joanna? Well, I think it depends what field you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as a boss, sometimes one's frustration is you want to pay someone more, but you don't have the money. And I think um, it's very easy to assume that the boss has bottomless pockets and that they're just trying to stiff you. My own situation as a boss has often been I would like to have paid someone more. I just didn't have the money on my bottom line. And so you want to be flexible with someone and say, you know what, here's the deal. I can't pay you anymore. Would it help if you worked from home on a Friday? Or what if we did a four-day week? Or uh, And that way, if people are creative, they can either take the extra day, which sometimes people like because they want more downtime, or they can take the extra day. And if you're in our industry, which is magazines and the creative uh, industry, digital, they can use that time to freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there are other ways of thinking about making money Um, especially with the gig economy, where you can say, you know what, I'm going to do a project for someone else on Fridays, and it becomes a really useful negotiating tactic. And then you never know, maybe that other thing that you've taken on becomes your full-time thing, or then that morphs into a Friday and a Saturday, and you suddenly have another source of income. So I know when I was starting out, I always worked at companies full-time, but I always had freelance 
work in the evenings, partly because I needed the money, but partly because I liked the idea of expanding my world. And it makes you feel like you're growing faster than when you're just working for, for one person. And I do think now, especially if you have skills in social media or you're writing or you're creative or you're making crafts or you can you know, cook and that's your passion, it's much easier now because you can connect with potential customers to have a little side business that brings you in some extra cash if that's your real concern. I think that's a great point. And we've been hearing that a lot from readers that they're actually very interested in this idea of a side hustle, not only because of the, you know, putting more money away or paying off those student loans faster, but because of exactly what you said, feeling like it enhances their professional scope and gives them more of a skill set to work with. Yeah, and it makes your life bigger. I mean, what fun to be able to, you know, cater a dinner for somebody or, you know, someone just knitted me a pink pussy hat. I mean, how fun <laughs> I'm never going to do it That's myself. <laughs> I'm thrilled to pay someone else to do it. I just ordered a chair from someone who makes chairs as a side hustle on Etsy. You know, thrilling to be able to to do that. I mean, I was thrilled as a customer, but I'm sure they were thrilled to have a customer. Right. And yet that's not her full time job, but she's trying to turn it into that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's fun. And also it gives you a sense of agency at a time when the full time employment market feels uncertain. Absolutely. And one last question, Joanna, before we have to let you go, which this was something Haley and I were talking about right before we jumped on the phone with you, which is that I think you know, one thing that can be particularly particularly difficult for women when they're negotiating is we do tend to want to be friendly. We don't want to piss anyone off. You know, is there a way to negotiate in a feminine way? Or do you think this is a situation where people need to be a bit more of a hard ass, to be honest? Uh, it's super hard to do. And I think that there's no question. The research suggests that women who negotiate are liked less than men who negotiate, that men who negotiate are seen as capable and badass and women who do are seen as demanding and difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to always use the we word. So talk about what you're excited about coming up, what we can work on together Mm. to remind people of the successes you've had and this is why you're asking for more money. And never underestimate the power of silence in Mm. a negotiating situation. I've often told people it's much easier to negotiate on the phone because you can pull faces, you can be curled in the fetal position and (laughs) the person on the other end won't know. Really hard to do it in a room. Um, Worth you know, role playing it with a friend. And then when someone comes up with a number that you don't like, feel okay, although it's the most unnatural thing in the world, to not say anything. Hmm. Most people can't handle silence. And if you can just say to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to respond, you can make the other person dance into the silence and come up with another number. Hmm. The power of silence. That's an amazing tip. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. And I want to add to all of you listening that you can see Joanna very soon on the So Cosmo reality show. You probably already recognize her fab British accent being all over the previews on E. Um, it comes out February 8th and is going to be really fun. And so you get to see more of Joanna doing her best boss lady thing and can follow her everywhere at Joanna Coles on Twitter and Instagram. JC, any last words for the Cosmo listeners? Well, I do want them to know that they will also be able to see you on the show, too. <laughs> I'm very excited to um, 
to expose the inner workings of Cosmo and I think people will uh, have great fun looking at your various hairstyles throughout the show. Oh god, um, my hair looked terrible Everything, every no, time there was a camera. <laughs> it looked like it was California surf hair uh, to me. I was very envious of it. That's my praise. Um, I would say with negotiations educate yourself about what would happen if you didn't stay in this job. The thing I am really um, mindful of when I look at young women in the workplace is a lot of them stay in places too long. Hmm. Do not be afraid to move. If you're not getting what you want, I mean, it's bearing in mind it's much harder to get a job when you don't have a job. And I'm sure for a lot of people, they can't afford to leave a job until they find another job. You know, bear in mind, it might take you six months. So do due diligence Go and see people in other companies. Don't be afraid of moving. That's how you'll eventually make more money. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Joanna. I appreciate you making the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yes, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. So I want to take a second really quickly to talk to you guys about my latest shopping obsession, spring. If, like me, you are an addict with online shopping, you guys will love this website. I wasn't too familiar with it before, but now that I know that it exists, I'm obsessed with it. Spring is the digital shopping destination for over 1,500 brands for all your fashion, beauty, and lifestyle needs all in one place. So it's this really great shopping experience. They have an app. They have a site where they are basically a giant store that carries everything from Tory Burch to Marc Jacobs to Stuart Weitzman to Urban Outfitters, some high stuff, some low stuff. But it's just a really great shopping experience. It makes it easy to find anything that you're looking for. And everything on the site has free shipping and free returns. So I'm obsessed with it because I've basically spent the last like two years trying to find a cute suitcase. If you have ever tried to shop for luggage, you know it's impossible to find anything that's cute. I found one on their site that I'm absolutely obsessed with. It was so easy to sort of filter through all the options um it's this little like i don't even know how to describe it like navy blue suitcase with dots on it it's so cute you're gonna go to the website you're gonna see it you're gonna want to buy one exactly like it um but also a suitcase is an expensive thing to ship so getting free shipping and free returns makes it that much easier um it's just a really great interface for shopping is I think probably like one of the most encouraging things I can say about it and the free shipping is just totally a bonus so check it out they carry everything shoes accessories tech and travel gear the luxury brands that I mentioned and everything else at shopspring.com you can download the app in the app store or now that I've mentioned this like 10,000 times go to shopspring.com they also have amazing customer service that's something they're really really proud of so if you have questions um, if you need you know something from a certain brand you want shopping recs their customer service will help you with everything so download the spring app in the app store or go to shopspring.com to start saving on all the latest fashion and lifestyle style trends or to copy me and totally buy that suitcase. Um, As an added bonus, use my code COSMO at checkout to take 20% off your first purchase. That's an amazing deal. 20% off with code COSMO. Once again, go to shopspring.com or check out the Spring app in the App Store. Use code COSMO. Get 20% off. Free shipping and free returns. No spending minimums. I promise you guys will like it. Let me know what you think of that and see if you can find that cute little dot suitcase. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
now that I have told you guys all about how to get more money at your job, I want to tell you something really fun to spend your money on. I'm obsessed lately with Blue Apron. You guys know all about Blue Apron. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I'm completely obsessed with it. Every time I make a meal, I feel like I am like freaking Martha Stewart or something. feel like I'm a domestic goddess. Um, It's so fun to do. I love that they give you only exactly how much you need for meals so you don't feel like all of your like you know half a bag of kale is turning brown in your refrigerator which is like the story of my life um i love picking out my meals every week there's always a selection you get to choose three and they will deliver them just to your door in a little like freezer box if you don't have a doorman in a freezer situation like i definitely don't so check out this week's menu and get your first three meals totally for free with free shipping no negotiation necessary by going to blueapron.com cosmo you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com cosmo they promise to have fresh high quality ingredients that make a real difference um which is so important for any people like me that want to know where their food is coming from. So check it out, blueapron.com slash Cosmo. It's time to talk to one of our badass listeners. Our next guest is a Cosmo girl, just like all of you, who negotiated her way into a promotion and over $15,000 more than her initial offering. Girl, I am jealous. It is time to take notes. Welcome to Cosmo Happy Hour, Lisa. Hey, girl. Hi. Hi. Okay, so how did you do this? You ended up getting $15,000 more than what you were offered for a job. Yeah, so when Living the I dream. Was, Yeah, that's incredible. We want to hear all about how yes. you made it happen. Thanks. Yeah, so um, when I got the initial promotion, um, I just knew how much I had worked so hard for in um, the So this is... Both- sorry, I'm, I'm like already interrupting you. So this is a job oh, you'd sure. been at for a little while. Yeah. So okay, so you got a company. promotion. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, I've been with the company. Um, I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary. Okay. And I got the promotion about a year ago. So when I was approached in taking on this new role and managing a team and, um, you know, stepping up and growing with the company, I knew that I had made so much and worked so hard in my former uh, position. And I knew how much I had made uh, the prior year. So when I was out to lunch with the CEO, he was kind of you know, telling me more about the position. And I had told him, you know, down to the dime what I had made and filed away on my tax form um, the prior year. So I told him, you know, I, I would love to take the promotion. My only hesitation is, you know, I know what I'm worth. And I know that if I'm going to take on a new position that I also you know, want to be making more money, especially living in New York, you know, the rent's a little bit more here than other cities. Um, So I just voiced, um, you know, that I knew I could do more and also work harder in my old position. So if I wanted to take on this new promotion, I would also need to, you know, have more in my paycheck as well. And so did you throw out a specific number or did you kind of just say, I want more and like let it go with that and see what they came back to you with? Yeah, so I didn't give out a specific number, but I knew um, I had made over six figures in my previous position. 
So I voiced if I was going to be taking on this new title that I wanted to come pretty close to what I had made um, as a salesperson. So basically, um, to sort of pick apart like a bit of the takeaway from what you're saying, you had a sense of what the competitive rate was for this position. Totally. And I also knew that if I was going to not take the promotion, how much I could possibly make potentially as a salesperson going into my third third year with the company. And I knew that in New York, other companies, um, you know, pay people more for moving out to New York City with added expenses. And I had previously lived in Chicago beforehand. So... I knew that living in New York is just more expensive than living in Chicago and that other companies, you know, sometimes did make up the difference. And we were just on the phone um, before we were chatting with you with Joanna Coles, who's the HPIC at Hearst Magazine. So the big boss lady at um, the company that owns Cosmo. And, you know, one of the things that, of course, she was saying, and we've heard this advice a million times over, is how important it is to do your homework. And it sounds like you really yeah. did that. You really went in knowing you know, a bunch of factors, what you had made at your previous Mm -hmm. job, what the competitive rate was, factoring the Mm -hmm. fact that you were coming from Chicago to New York and there's a higher cost of living here. Um, And I sort of want to, you know, some of this was just based on your own experience in the industry and having a previous position, which not everyone is in that position. But were there any other tools you used for research? Because I think sometimes this idea of like, do your homework, know what the value is. Well, it's like, well, do you just like Google it? You know, like New York City podcast host or whatever. You know, I think definitely if you can look at Glassdoor and look at other job titles that might be similar or equivalent to what you are asking for um, or what sort of position you're in, then that just gives you more confidence. And I think when you do more research, then you can be more confident. And when you're going to ask for a bigger pay raise or negotiate something and um, signing on to a new job, if you're confident and you know what you're worth and what you're bringing to the table to ask for that, then it's way easier to do that when you have a sense of confidence. Sure. And in terms of that idea of confidence, you know, so you're at this lunch with your CEO, which, you know, sounds like kind of friendly and casual, but also it sounds Mm -hmm. like you were really prepared to sort of make your case for yourself. You know, did you like go as far as like having something printed out that you handed to him or like how did you really make your case for yourself? You know, you're saying you knew what you were worth, but how did you really convince him, convince him or her of that? Yeah, so I think, uh, like what I had said before, I knew what I had made in the previous year, like to the dime, looking back at what I filed away in my taxes. So when I told him my hesitation of taking on this position, I told him exactly what I was making. I told him what the difference would be for me and what that difference really is in terms of just, you know, the lifestyle that I have built from working so hard and making that amount of money in the previous year. So I just told him that the difference would be X and that would, you know, take away from me jumping on and saying yes right away. So you did bring up those cost of living and those lifestyle factors with your boss as well. Yeah. Mm hmm. And what was the sort of, how did you feel? Did you feel confident? Did you feel terrified? Did it pass in a total blur? Like you blacked out and you don't even remember? That's how I usually feel when I'm talking to anyone (laughs) about my career. (laughs) 
Yeah, I definitely, I had like practiced the wordage of what I wanted to say um, beforehand. So I felt, I felt confident, but I definitely was nervous too, because, you know, you're putting yourself out there. You're talking to someone that's a leader above you and you don't want to sound greedy, but you also want to make sure that you feel comfortable and really, you know, put it out there that this is what you're asking for and this is why. So I think it's just a mix of emotions of um, being nervous, but also being confident and excited that it's, you know, something that may be a possibility and you never know if you don't try and put it out there. So um, I think if you can just practice a little bit beforehand, then that always helps with um, the anxiety. Did you practice, like, did you like role play with your like friend or whatever? I think um, just more t- talking the mirror and saying yeah. things out loud. Yeah. Um, I didn't role play with anyone, but I think I had talked to my parents and my friends, kind of telling them what the situation was. So I had at least thought it out and, and talked to other people about the situation. Yeah. I had like, not to get into this personal story about my life, but I had a ex-boyfriend that I dated for a really long time that was such a little like this is a weird thing to say, but he was such a career cheerleader for me. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it really gave me a lot of confidence with negotiating. And I feel like everyone needs that person in their life that is really going to be a cheerleader for them because it is scary. Yeah. And you need somebody, whether it's a boyfriend or your best friend or your parents or whatever, that is just going to constantly sort of like be your hype girl. Yeah, <laughs> hype boy in my case. Yeah, but just like sort of tell you again and again, like you deserve this. You have to ask for it part of what it means mm-hmm. to be an adult with a job is to have these tricky conversations yeah. you know it's not mm-hmm. bad of you to do this because right. um you know it, it there is such an emotional component for women especially of asking for these things yeah and I yeah. think another way of building confidence is actually to help the people around you with their negotiations and oh, being that person one, who's saying you know you're looking at your friend and she's going through this and you're saying you're worth this much you yeah. can do this you got this for yourself so if you would do that for the people you care about then why wouldn't you do it for yourself yeah I feel like my roommate and I it's one constant like a man would never be scared to ask <laughs> yeah. for this <laughs> right good to remember that right yeah even in like college I studied marketing um, Um, and and theater and you know just kind of always had an entrepreneurial spirit in myself and a a main theme in college is that I learned was just dream big so if you've worked really hard and you're not just coming up with a number or asking for something out of the blue without showing that you've worked up to that point then if you can dream big and you know really just put your eye on the prize and ask for it you're never going to get there if you don't try i love that well thank you so much lisa i appreciate you sharing all your success success secrets i'm already thinking that a year from now we should do a follow-up episode and then you can tell us you'll be making you know like thirty thousand dollars (laughs) more at that point (laughs) that would be awesome (laughs) keep climbing that ladder you never know (laughs) thank you so much thanks lisa thank you so, Haley, I feel like one thing, um, first of all, do you feel like, don't you feel kind of like you want to immediately go back to work and be like, oh, I need more I'm money. so amped up right now. <laughs> I'm know. so revved up. But that was, you know, why we really wanted to do this episode. Like, we all know that it's so hard to talk about these things. Women especially, we don't talk about money enough. And you, 
having these conversations and I feel like getting this all in our brain, I think it's helpful for all of us. It's good to do. Um, can you, have there been any times in your own life where you really successfully negotiated? Sure. I would say that one time uh, that I considered a success was when I was moving into a new job and I had been offered a certain sum that was a little bit below what I wanted. And I had heard that this company probably wouldn't budge on this from other people who had gone through the same process. But I decided, you know what, okay, I'll put forth the figure that I would like to be making. I'll come back. I'll see what happens. And they weren't able to change the salary, but I did get significantly more vacation time, which uh, meant a lot to me because, you know, I love to travel. I also love to sit around my apartment sometimes and do nothing. And And that to me is worth money. So I think it's important to remember that anything can be a negotiation. You can look at benefits. You can look at vacation day. You can look at work from home, like Joanna was saying. Um, And those are all on the table. And another thing that I'll say, you know, one of the things we've, that we sort of all know is how important it is to negotiate because the salary you have at your first job ends up impacting the salary you have at your next job and then Mm -hmm. on and on and on forever and ever and ever until you die. But actually, to some extent, the same is true with things like vacation days. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go into a job and you say like, well, I had three weeks at my last job, Mm -hmm. so like, of course I need three weeks now or whatever it is. you know, that gives you a little more leverage, at, right. least, at least in some industries. Right. And it's about building up these habits of fighting for yourself and asserting what you're worth. And you make a really good point with the, you know, salary over time issue, because obviously, you know, the gender wage gap is a huge big deal. There's a lot of sexism at play behind it, but it's also due to the fact that oftentimes women don't negotiate and then that impacts what they're going to be making at their next job because you're making these incremental increases over the course of your career. And over a career, if you're not negotiating, you could be missing out on tens of thousands of dollars. And I think this is just the simplest like mom advice in the world, but like it just doesn't hurt to ask. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I feel like this, Haley, we talked about this. We asked Joanna about it. You know, I was sort of interested in this idea of like, do you need to be a hard ass when you negotiate? You know, I was actually kind of glad Joanna Anna said, you know, like sometimes women actually get judged when they do that. It's the research true. really backs that up. That yeah. people don't like women that advocate for themselves in that way. But in some ways I felt a little like tiny bit that was almost a relief for me to hear because I think I'm someone in my own career and I'm a weirdo because I've worked at Hearst for 10 million years, which is like not normal in this industry. But um but I have just never been able to do that. And you know, Joanna used yeah. that expression yeah. of like no one wants to she didn't say this exactly but she used the word ransom like no one wants to feel like your boss doesn't want to feel like she's being held for ransom Mm -hmm. or that you're saying like if you don't give me this I'm going to leave I don't think most people want to feel like that and my approach (laughs) for better or worse (laughs) has always just sort of been to really emphasize how happy I am and how much Mm -hmm. I love being here and like I'm not going to leave I feel committed Mm -hmm. but I think I'm worth x y and z yeah, I think I've had various degrees of success with that. But right. it's just the yeah. way of saying out. I think that there is a way to sort of advocate for yourself that isn't necessarily about being like, give me this or I'll walk. Completely. I think you're so right. And I think there's a way of phrasing it where you're saying, I am very good at my job. I can contribute in these ways. And I'm so excited to bring my skill set to this company or into this position. And I know we can find something that's going to work for both of us. So I think a lot of it has to do with language. Um, and, you know, you're framing this as a benefit to both them and you. They want you to work there. You're awesome. Right, right. And you want to work there because they're awesome. And you just want to find 
the numbers um, and the benefits that are going to make it work for both of you. Yes. So nice girls can make bank too. Absolutely. That is the moral of the story. Yes. Well, thank you, Haley, for sharing your wisdom with us. As it's always, we love having you on. It's so much fun. Thanks for having me. Yes. And where is the best place for people to follow you? Yes. You can find me on Twitter at H-L-M-A-C-M-I-L-L-E-N. That's H.L. Macmillan. See you there. And as always, you guys can check out Haley's writing every day on Cosmopolitan.com. The amazing work that she does on our sex and relationships vertical. Everyone's favorite vertical, obviously. Um, And as always, you guys can find me on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram at Elisa Benson. Please listen to and share and subscribe and rate the podcast so that it can blow up and I can use that next time I negotiate to talk about (laughs) how great I am. Great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.